Four Against the Void is over, but you can commemorate the trials and triumphs of the Torkoal Tones with the Critical Hit Season 1 Limited Edition t-shirt. This classy red armor slot item features the likenesses of Orem, Randus, Torque, and Smith. The Season 1 shirt is perfect for a night on the town, gaming with friends, or facing down aberrant polydimensional god beings. Funnel cakes and healing potions are not included. Major spoilers, not responsible for excessive levels of awesome. This is your chance to own a piece of critical hit history, because once these shirts are gone, they're gone for good. That's right. You need to order your shirt by December 15th, 2010. Order it today and make each of your rolls a critical hit. Head over to the Major Spoilers store, majorspoilers.com slash store. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod- pod- podcast... Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, 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 the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this weekend edition of the Major Spoilers podcast. So glad you could be here and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. It's now been a week since our Thanksgiving podcast. I don't know if we're going to be talking about PBS and all things wrong with the uh, with children's books, but Matthew says we have topic drift every now and then on these shows. So we'll see what happens. Matthew Rodrigo, welcome back. Well, actually, Hello. we don't so much have topic drift as we embody it in the clinical sense. I think that it's like, have you ever read the incarnations of immortality no. where a guy gets to be death and a guy gets to be, yeah, it's awesome. One guy is death and one guy is war. And then there's this hor- horrible, terrible, evil, God awful bitch who gets to be God. We embody topic drift. So are you the God awful bitch? we're already off topic already amazing amazing how we can do that just a few moments hey uh wow what a shock (laughs) you know it was sad news the director of the empire strikes back died this past week yep normally we don't talk about you know people dying on the website or on the show or anything like that Uh, but i only bring that up because you were talking about star wars earlier and I find it fascinating that there are people in this world, maybe, Matthew, I don't know if you find this fascinating or not, but I find it fascinating that there are people who have never seen Star Wars. Correct. Matthew, is that weird to you? Well, no, because I'm... and I don't mean this. You you and I, we poke at each other every once in a while because we have different ways of looking at the world. Right. I don't mean this to sound like as much of a dick as I know it's going to sound coming out. <laughs> so... This is me genuinely apologizing for the way this is going to sound. I don't look at things the way you do in that my my perception of reality is necessarily based on what I've experienced the way you do. For me, naturally, I presume that people won't know the references or won't have seen the things that I've seen. Whereas I think, you know, you go through life going, how can you have not seen Star Wars? It's, you know, it's intrinsic to my very being. How can you have not seen Indiana Jones? This is, you know, and to me, the response is I'm used to explaining what I love because I love the black hole. Right. You know, to people when your favorite movie has a title that sounds like porn, you spend yeah, a lot of time a, explaining. There's a difference between the black hole and Star Wars. 
Yeah, and, yeah, and really Star it's Wars that crack in your well, voice that but... makes the difference. <laughs> I'm serious, Mrs. Star Johnson. War. I'll have, have to me check with the manager. To see Star Wars. <laughs> Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to take me to see Star Wars? Um, but Rodrigo, tell it, me about this. There person. are people out there. Go ahead. <laughs> it's been 40 years, Steve. There are people out there who've never seen, or worse, who have seen episode one and think that the story starts there. Well, it does start there. No, it doesn't. One. No, that, that story is an afterthought. <laughs> that story is designed as an afterthought to try. It, it's, it's retconned fan fiction with an official touch. Right. Whoops. We lost Matthew there. This always happens. Matthew must have opened up a second web page. We will try to reconnect with Matthew and listen to this ringy dingy. One, one ringy dingy, two ringy dingy. Matthew, what have I reached there? the party to whom I am speaking? <laughs> yes, you have. You hung up on me because you didn't agree with no, my no, no. thoughts about young I, Darth I asked Vader. Rodrigo. My hand was nowhere near the eject button. That's right. His hands you weren't even on the it. desk. <laughs> my hands were on the joystick. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about Star Wars. His hands yes. were obviously busy. <laughs> So, Rodrigo, please, 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 please tell me about this person who has never seen Star Wars. Right. Um, and, and that's not the case anymore because we've we've sat down and watched some Star Wars. Well, um, how did this come up? Did you just say, oh, uh, <laughs> you, did you make some crack about, uh, but I want to go to Tashi Station and get power converters? Well. And their person said, huh, what? Yes, probably, because I'm always making jokes like that. Uh-huh. Um. And often people don't get them. And again, kind of like Matthew, I'm used to that. Right. I mean, jokes that like sometimes I will say something weird and people will be like, what's that out of? And I'll be like, my head. <laughs> but anyway, um, my girlfriend hadn't seen the prequels. She'd seen the original ones. Oh, so she's but, seen three, four and five. Right. Okay. But hadn't seen the, you know, episodes one through three. So we were going to sit down to watch episode one. Mm-hmm. Her friend came over mm-hmm. um, and he had never seen any of them. And when we started watching episode one, I didn't realize that he hadn't seen any of them. If I'd realized that, I might have had him watch them in in real world chronological order. Oh, sure. As, release you know, order. Right, in release yeah. order. Um, because I figured that is the way to watch them, sort of. Um, well... But it's created a very interesting situation. Yeah, because if you watch it, mm-hmm. you know, I will say most of us, mm-hmm. a great many of us, probably a majority of people know that Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. is Darth Vader. Right. Because, you know, we've seen it, we've played mm-hmm. it all out. What? This has got to be a huge surprise for your friend it is he he and he knew nothing of of star wars like, mm-hmm. just he said that he had a star wars like noise making toy as a little kid mm-hmm. you know kind of like press a button is like obi-wan kenobi round yeah. round round darth vader <laughs> you know princess leia i'm gonna bitch you out stormtrooper <laughs> but um <laughs> The Jedi says, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was the pretty Sith much that. Says, <laughs> do it. Um, so 
<laughs> you know, and I thought the Gungan says various offensive racial slurs. <laughs> yep. As as we were we watching it, and we actually watched the first three movies, or rather the uh, episodes one, two, and three, and he would ask me questions and be like, "What? So what was that about? And what's going on?" And, and I realized because you know you think in when I watched the prequels, I had mm-hmm. seen the original ones. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, there's this whole mystery with Emperor Palpatine, mm-hmm. but I know who he is. Right. I know that he's eventually going, the Senator Palpatine is eventually going to become the Emperor. Right. Um, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. So it was an actual legitimate, who is this Sith guy? He didn't know. C- very close to the end, he was like, oh, is Palpatine working with Darth Sidious? And I was like, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> and, you know, he got to experience that in a way that, most like that no star wars fan has yeah, yeah, he got yeah. to actually experience that turn so likewise i was thinking about it and i'm like when we start watching the original trilogy he's not going to be surprised at all by yoda well you know yoda is this little muppet right and you're like oh you know you're you're riding along with luke and he's like get away or like little tiny annoying muppet mm-hmm. and then you're like oh this guy is a jedi master he already knows that right well and that also kind of ruins the Luke, I'm your father moment. It ruins Luke, I'm your father. It ruins your sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It yep. does. All of there that is stuff is another. Gone. But exactly. at the same time, if you're following in, really, the, the reveal of Yoda part is probably not too upsetting because mm-hmm. you're following Luke and he doesn't know anything about any of this. Right. He doesn't know anything about midi-chlorians or any of that stuff. Right. And so this is something new. Uh. Um. Yes, but I and, can understand, and I, that's my big, my big concern at the end of, of episode three was, well, if you were going to watch these in order, you've ruined the surprise that Luke is the father, uh, you know, that Darth Vader is the father, and that mm-hmm. Luke has a twin sister, Leia, because it's it happens at the end. Yep. And I'm wondering if they couldn't just trim that a little bit to just leave it at a very sad, depressed ending where she's in labor, he's lying bloody on the... Uh, on the uh, on the ground, mm-hmm. and you just go to credits at the end of that episode. I, it three. doesn't now, no? like it, okay, because y- everything would still be implied. People well, yeah, would because all... Skywalker, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I think people would still realize so, that. So, how many of the movies has he seen? We've only seen the original trilogy, it's, okay, it, we, or not the original trilogy. The episodes one, episodes two, one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to start watching the other ones, and then I started to get busy with work again and then thanksgiving hit so we've okay we've taken a break but hopefully here before i go on my christmas vacation um holiday road yeah to wally world um we will get a chance to sit down and watch the original trilogy i'm I'm curious Uh, i'm really curious to see what his reaction is going to be next i am too and he's actually you know on like after we watched the first one, he's like, hey, are we going to watch the second one? And, you know, I, I we didn't watch them on consecutive days. And I'm like, no, actually, I don't have a, a time today or whatever. Like, he was he was interested. Yeah. Now he's reluctant because the original trilogy are old movies. And right, he doesn't right, like right, right, old right. movies. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, actually, and I told him, I'm like, what we consider the modern aesthetic of movies Star Wars has that. Right. The the original trilogy. Yeah. It's not like a black like, and white silent trilogy. Look like new. Well, forget that. Like something like even something like, I don't know, 
Wall Street or even movies yeah, yeah, that yeah. came out after Star Wars have yeah. a different aesthetic. Right, we've talked about that before. Than Star Wars does. Movies today look a lot more like Star Wars than they do, I don't know. So is he pumped up about the Star Wars universe and this whole implication that, you know, when, when we watched it, and I say most of us, and I would imagine most of our spoilerites mm-hmm. watched it in 3, 4, 5, and then 1, 2, 3, um, I'm wondering... You mean four, five, six? Four, five, six, then one, two, three. Yeah, I wonder how many of our he's of going our back to his football days. <laughs> Thirty-five, twenty-six, right. thirty-two. Hike, 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 hike. Um, you know, I wonder. Steven never. It was a bit football. of a. You know, it was very interesting from the political aspect of Star Wars. Of mm-hmm. when we were first introduced to Star Wars, the Empire was this terrible, terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the first three movies, and it's like, hey, the Empire's this great place, man. We're all at peace. It's those. It's those the separatists. Uh, the separatists that are the bad people, mm-hmm. and even though the separatists are really a ploy by Palpatine to destroy the Empire and claim it as his own, really, by the time you hit in the, the second half of those six movies, we're actually all looking at the essentially the separatists, the people that are fighting against right. the Empire, and it's this very interesting turn, and it's everything becomes very political, and and I'm I'm curious if he's into that whole thing or if he just wants to... Say that I've seen all six Star Wars movies. He he doesn't. He's not all that interested in that. And in fact, to to both of the people that I was watching it with, I kind of had to explain what happened because they were like, "Well, why is he?" I thought the separatists were with, with Palpatine. Why is mm-hmm. he killing them? And you know, I was like, "Well, because he set up these puppets to attack so that he could gain power in the other organization. Now he doesn't need them anymore, and they're in fact a threat to him. So he's going to try to kill them." Mm-hmm. This is something that isn't clear. I mean, it's like if you think about it from a geopolitical standpoint, right? It's clear, but in the movie itself, although Palpatine yeah. says "go kill those guys," right. he never says because eventually they might pose a threat to me. Right? You know? Right. right? 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 It's not something that to a casual movie watcher who just wants to go see a summer blockbuster, it's not something that's obvious, and it's yeah. something that I've I've talked to a lot of people. And they always say, yeah, I'm not sure why he did that. Why didn't he just absorb them or something? And it makes sense. Within the context of the movie, it certainly makes sense, but it's not something that's clear. Well, up until the turn, up until the Mm -hmm. Jedi are all um, obliterated obliterated in in that third movie, most of the Empire is still on the side of the Senate and saying, hey, these are separatists out there. He can't absorb them yet. There has to be this time Mm -hmm. where then you just absorb them back in. And that's what's kind of somewhat fascinating and also somewhat frustrating and disappointing about Star Wars, the Clone Wars series that's going on right now on the Cartoon mm-hmm. Network, which, again, when it first came out, I wasn't a fan of the the animation style, but over time it's changed, and I'm really getting into a lot of these stories. Um, but there was one recent episode, I think right before Thanksgiving, where it's actually an episode about politics. Mm-hmm. And it's an episode where we really get into the politics of war and it really plays into a lot of the politics of the Star Wars movies because I'll you know I'll admit in that first movie it's like who the f cares about trade routes and blockades and any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking about the political see, aspect of Star Wars, see that, that to me was inter- like I, I remember a lot of people complaining about Episode One. Mm-hmm. They were like Jar Jar Binks is stupid. I don't care about all these politics. Why do things look more modern than they do in the previous versions? The only thing I like is the pod racing scene. Right. And that really is had, the highlight of the movie. I had the entirely I had an entirely opposite take on that. Other than Jar Jar Binks 
which, you know, I saw it as a kid and I did think he was funny, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that he made the movie. Right. Like, I was like, I like that things look different. It shows that the galaxy has changed. Mm-hmm. I like all this political stuff because you don't know what the economy of Star Wars is. This is right. actually interesting. And I thought the pod racing scene was too damn Oh, long. Yeah. It's like it what, is, 20 minutes. Or it's something. like half the movie yeah. is the pod racing scene. And it definitely feels like that. Like, I remember I, I was at the theater watching episode one, you know, like this thing that had been so anticipated. And I was like, when is this race going to be over? Yeah. And it's like, third lap. And I'm like, yeah. seriously? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I had I'm that just problem curious. with the whole first movie, honestly. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, a lot of people. Endless. I think this is the problem, and I mean, I don't hate the first movie. I mean, I really don't hate the the first three movies, the one, two, and three mm-hmm. episodes. I don't either. I really don't hate them as much as everybody thinks that we should hate them, because, first of all, yes, the story is weak. Yes, it has the same pitfalls that Return of the Jedi have in it as far as kidizing and merchandising the story um, so that you can make a buck. But this is the same thing that happens with sometimes when I I get excited about an upcoming comic book. It's like, oh my gosh, this Morning Glories is going to be the best thing in the whole wide world. And we get ourselves hyper built up about a movie, whether mm-hmm. it be Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls or whether it be, you know, a comic book or whatever it may be. And then we get to it and we go in with this super high expectation about this is going to be the greatest Star Wars movie in the world that George Lucas is going to rule my life. And then we sit and we watch that, and it doesn't live up to our imagined expectations. Right. And I think that's what disappoints Why people would the most. Why do that to yourself? See, I don't, I don't have that same sort of thought process. To me, it seems like, and again, you know, we, we've noticed this before when we talk about what do you think is going to happen if Zac Efron is Superman? Hell, I don't know. I, it may be friggin' awesome. But this is something, and this whole thing spun out of a, a, a comment I made today. People at work are like, did you hear Kirshner died? I'm like, yeah, name, name something he did other than Return of the Jedi. Um, and they're all like, oh, but it was, he, he didn't have to. It was, uh, shut up. Shut up. But when it comes to the original well, I don't want to say the original. When it comes to Star Wars and Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, those to me, I don't know how to explain it to me because it, those are not any more than the first trilogy entirely a George Lucas thing. No, they not. are huge movies that are made, you know, with the input of a lot of people. And, you right. know, Kirshner's direction does make Empire different than any other movie. So if we look at say for me episode one the slowest movie ever of all time since probably the point where we saw 27 minutes of the enterprise docking while spock and sulu and uhura flew around watching it over the earth it's not that the movie is bad it's that it's poorly plotted and i think that in the first film star wars especially there were a lot of people who had input on what george lucas was doing and in the second Mm -hmm. film there were fewer because the first movie was a blockbuster. And by the third film, George was able to throw in the teddy bear's picnic because he had control of virtually everything. So by the time we see episode one, episode one is like the Silmarillion to, to me 
it's tons of backstory about the Star Wars universe. And here's Senator Palpatine. And here's somebody who's going to grow up to be Luke Skywalker's mommy. And here's somebody who does all of this. And then, you know, it doesn't work for me as a story because its universe building is so overt. And the bits and pieces of it that, you know, really, really work for me work because they're completely in in, in opposition to what I expect. The fight with Darth Maul that everybody says is terrible, where Qui-Gon just, you know, spends seven minutes dancing through the fields and then chops him in half. Mm-hmm. I love that. I like it too. I like I the love the scene. fact that they they set this guy up as this big giant badass and we know that he's Vader's, you know, he's Vader's uh he's proto Vader. Yeah, he's his predecessor. And he gets chopped in half by Yeah, he Obi-Wan. gets chopped in half by Qui-Gon Obi-Wan. to show off I think Qui does Qui- no, Qui-Gon no, gets he killed kills first Qui-Gon. Yeah. Right. And then Obi-Wan chops him in hell. So he gets killed by the kid from train spotting, while the guy from uh, Schindler's List gets chopped in half and falls down the elevator shaft. Whatever happens there, I don't remember. I didn't really like the movie all that much. <laughs> the whole point of that movie is not to tell an awesome story. It's to set the groundwork so that you, when you go back and you watch 4, 5, and 6, you can go, oh... So that's what meant it. Yeah. For me, I'm not bothered by the fact that that a young person hasn't seen Star Wars. Because even today, there are people who have, you know, there's there's a bit of a stigma where you're like, I love Star Wars and I can tell you all the characters. Really? Awesome. You ever seen a girl naked? People still think that way. I still occasionally make those kind of jokes to you, Stephen. Exactly. Some people like Star Trek better. Some people think that, you know, all sci-fi movies are pretty much of a piece, and it's all Leslie Nielsen and an invisible monster and Robbie the Robot. By the way, Leslie Man, Nielsen died this week. That movie. is an awesome movie. I wanted to talk about Forbidden Planet this week. But Forbidden you Planet? Guys, oh. You guys haven't seen Forbidden Planet in, like, forever. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it. The last time I saw it, I was working in Master Control, so I really oh, so watched like it. 15 years I was bored. ago or something. No, I worked um, in Master Control as recently as 2004, I think, 2003. Hello, future people! One of my professors, one of my uh, sound design professors, was really, really bitter about Forbidden Planet. Um, really? Why? Because it had the... Uh, because... What, the What's that freaky uh, was, sound effect thing that you put your hand through? And a goes, theremin, a yeah. Theremin, the yeah. theremin. Um, he he was working in sound effects in movies when Forbidden Planet came out, and um, he he told us he's like he was working on sci-fi stuff. But after Forbidden Planet came out, there was a way that spaceships sound. There was a yeah, way yeah. that laser sounds, which is which continues to this day. Right. Forbidden Planet, like. Um, set the groundwork for a lot of that stuff. I mm-hmm. think it was Forbidden Planet. Yeah, it was. Talking about. It's the first what we would consider modern sci-fi movie right, where right. we actually, you know, even though there's some silliness of everybody's wearing essentially sailor uniforms, right? And uh, you know, right. you've got a big but hey, robot it works for Sailor Moon. It does. It really does. Um, and the spaceship is the prototypical flying saucer. Yeah, and it's not. It's not the silly rocket ship kind of stuff that we see in in movies before that. It's real. It's real science. I mean. Uh, it, it, 
not real science, but I mean, science, right, right, science, right. science fiction of what we said today. Right. And yes, so I could see if he's creating science, he, you know, he's creating a new laser sound every I mean, week for the for the Saturday serial, and then all of a sudden everyone's like, "We got to have that sound," and you just put it on a loop, and you're out of a career. I can understand how you can be very bitter about it, that. It, film. Exactly, and and you know, you think about it, and it's like, well, this guy was, and and, and I'm gonna bring it up because I haven't in a while. He was teaching at Northwestern University. It's 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 a big. It's, uh, I've, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, um, drink. <laughs> you got it down a lot. I really don't bring it Rodrigo's up. Rodrigo's catchphrases are Rodrigo's catchphrases are not as plentiful or as often heard as Stephen and mine. But you still have to drink. It's true. You have to drink more because of that. Yes, because you have to. You, you have, have to have, have to have a can of four loco ready for when <laughs> right. I bring up. Have you ever had I, any of that? No. Well, Northwestern. Northwestern. North it's a whole beer. When you yeah, say that's much. right, it's a sip, or else you'd be hammered. I, and if Matthew, you say, and I liked it, you drink half the beer. Have you drinking this four, drunk this four loco stuff? Four loco? Yeah, it's this. Uh, I haven't had anything. It's yet. like I haven't. It's like alcohol. It's like alcohol uh, Red Bull is essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, go I on actually, back to uh, Northwest. Live in I'm sorry, city where they're trying to yeah, outlaw mixing uh, alcohol. <laughs> you know, like I, I was certain that. Probably only a third of my classmates had even heard of Forbidden Planet. Really, and there he was just ranting to us about it and about how it kind of basically ruined his life. And I, I was like, seriously, that movie came out like one hundred years like ago for man. you. Let's see, you had been in college in what ninety six, so it had been forty years. No, I was, year I, was, I was, I was, I was in college in two thousand one. Oh, so it would have been about a fifty year old movie. No, yeah, fifty year old movie. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't see it until I was late high school. And even then I caught it on one of those mm-hmm. channel 41 late night kind of things. And I was like, eh, okay. I don't get why everyone's so concerned about these monsters from the id. Cause I, you know, hadn't taken a really good, I mean, I went to public school, so that right. should explain a lot. Um, yeah, you've but it wasn't until we went to school and, and we, yeah, well, the only Shakespeare we had ever done in high school or read in high school, was Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. And they capped it off with that, what, 1967 Romeo and Juliet movie mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the boobies. And even then, when we got to that part, the teacher goes up to the front of the TV screen and stands in front of it for the, for the few moments. Boo. Freeze Ferelli. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Limit one per customer. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so I wasn't really into that until I was in college, and then we were talking about it and discussing it, and, and we would take a movie history class, and it was discussed, and then I started doing research into it, and start watching it when it then became available on VHS, and then later on DVD, and then just understanding how how influential this movie was in terms of sci-fi movie making, but also from uh, The Tempest, mm-hmm. uh, from the Shakespeare. Yeah. And then you go and you listen to shows like um, Malcolm in the Middle... Mm-hmm. where all the time the smart kids are called the Krell boys. And a lot of people are probably scratching their head calling, why are they calling these kids or, the or Krell just boys? just ignoring it. Yeah, or just ignoring it. as, as in, Sometimes they don't even say it. Uh, they say it too quickly or it gets muddled in with a lot of the other noise. So you don't really understand what they're saying. But as soon as you understand what they're talking the about Krell, as the Krell, Krell boys, boy. then you're like, holy crap, somebody is really smart to make that kind of a connection mm-hmm. between you know these smart kids and, and the Krell, the... Uh, dead civilization on on the planet that they're on and i just mm-hmm. i think that movie is just incredible people I, i've got if you've been to my office and some of you have been to my office and we've got a new listener who will be moving to Hayes in the 
next semester, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Stephen's office back when it was Lance Lippert's office. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't Lance Lippert's office. It used to be the old newsroom. And now it is... Uh, oh, you took over the big office? Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> oh, listeners, Dante Are you guys has, still in Heather Hall? Yes. Uh, Dante has whipped up an incredible piece of art for the uh, weekend show. You do need a pair of 3D glasses. That looks really, really weird. out on that. Does it look really weird? It does, because, like, the dark colors are, like... Put on your freaking 3D glasses. out, man. But no. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that, that looks crazy. That's pretty crazy. Talk so, about eating a sandwich and, yeah, and find, watching find, a movie. Find some of the red and blue uh, 3D glasses. Why really do you have nothing. 3D glasses right there ready, Steve? He has two pairs of I've them. I've got two dude. pairs of them. Okay, let me tell you. I actually own a pair of 3D glasses as well. I got this. I got these uh, 3D glasses that look kind of like. Um, oh, what are like. They kind of look like Cyclops' glasses yeah. from uh, oh, yeah, from, from the X-Men movies, except one of the lenses is blue. Well, that's fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. Um, awesome. I think well, it's awesome. A lot, of it, a lot of it is because in discussions in class, and this happened last spring, so last January, January 2010, the big movie was um, Avatar. Mm-hmm. And so the first day of class, all everybody wanted to talk about mm-hmm. was Avatar. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to them, look... 3D has been around since the 1950s. Yeah. It was a gimmick then. It's a gimmick now. And so we spent a lecture in this uh, advanced video class talking about all the different ways that you could do 3D. Uh, we talked about the... Stereographic, Stereographic, baby. the anaglyph, the uh, polarized lenses, all, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And everybody thought that was a pretty cool lecture. Well, an intensive Captain video... Captain EO. What's that? Captain EO. Captain EO, <laughs> yes. Um, that's the... Uh, Captain EO vision. Yes. That's the polarization. Polarization, yeah. yeah. Uh, in uh, in intensive video this semester, again, everybody's talking about 3D. Star Wars is being re-released in 3D. Uh, the release the Kraken movie was released in 3D. <laughs> the new Transformers movie is a 3D movie in 3D. Uh, apparently, The Hobbit is going to be released in 3D. Now, the 3D that they're doing now is a different kind of 3D than the, 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 the cheesy 3D, mm-hmm. the red-blue uh, 3D. But... It's the red-blue 3D is the easiest 3D to demonstrate. Right. And so I built a little rig where we put two cameras side-by-side as close to about eye-width apart. And we spent a day and a half going around campus shooting all this stuff in, you know, stereoscopic vision. Well, we had a left channel, we had a right channel. Then bring it in and show how we can do this in post, how we create the red-blue separation and how we mix them together into the final format. And then I was I was sitting there going, wait a minute, we have no way of knowing if this works. We've done everything up to the final mm-hmm. concept, and so I had to go out and buy some 3D glasses and, so that we could test it out. Actually, you can find 3D glasses in a lot of comic like, books, comic book stores, novelty mm-hmm. stores, even like general media stores like our Hastings yeah, yeah. here. They have 3D oh, glasses do they? around. Yeah, but- I, I went online and just bought. A, I've got a bunch of paper ones for students to mm-hmm. use. Because they're just like 10 cents a piece or something. But I bought some for me because I'm like, well, if I'm going to be doing a lot of this in class or sitting here, I want a pair that's going to last me a while. So Mm -hmm. the first pair I got, um, I didn't like the way they fit, but this is the kind that I like the most. Fits over your glasses. Yeah, fits over my glasses. The Ray-Ban glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I have two pairs, Matthew, the the long answer. The Matthew answer. You know, speaking of Forbidden Planet. (laughs) Yes, Forbidden Planet. You know what really strikes me about Forbidden Planet, year even years later, 
Um, actually, there's a late night Channel 41 discussion that I want to have in a moment, but it's a digression. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start scheduling those in advance. Okay. <laughs> the the Forbidden Planet poster. Do you do you have the poster? I, that's the in, one that I have. The one where it's Robbie office. the robot with the woman. That's why I said if you come to my office, it's yeah. framed right there, right inside. It's the door. not you can't Robbie. It is a beautiful poster, but if you actually look at that poster, they have drawn, they've painted basically Robbie, and I don't know who painted it, but it's brilliant, as this monster. And they've added a big demon face out of the various things inside of well, his head. Well, yeah, and that's how it's kind now, of lit up. It's beautiful, though, and it's really yeah. fascinating to look at that and see the monster face with the big red teeth and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the monstrous eyes, because... For me, uh, Robbie has always been not quite as awesome as B9 from Lost in Space. But I watched Lost in Space pretty religiously when I was a kid. I liked it mm-hmm. better than Star Wars because, you know, I'm that asshole. But um, I, I know exactly what Robbie's dome looks like. He was in Lost in Space. He did like four episodes of The Twilight Zone. And I speak of Robbie as a person, which should tell you how big of a nerd I am. And I look at that poster and I'm like, that's brilliant. It's like they took this, you know, this static face and mm-hmm. they, they basically made it look like he has evil eyes and fangs and, you know, big floaty bits. And none of this is anything like what you see in the film. Well, you know, yes I, and, I, I mean, it's yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, uh, kind of sensationalized and enhanced, but the mouth grid yeah. that's there, the, the, uh, all, all those bits are there. Uh, but you're right. It is it is over sensationalizing it, making you think that this is the evil robot. Fabulous. Because how do you depict how do you depict this uh, this creature from the id, something that you can't see on a movie poster, mm-hmm. and have people buy into it? Uh, so you have to make this what yeah. turns out to be a very friendly robot into right. something that looks menacing and scary and amazing. Well, and that's uh, even the reaction that the characters have to him when. Mm-hmm. When he kind of starts doing his thing, isn't That's it? True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. First, they're like, what the? And he's like, come along, gentlemen. My master is waiting. Yep. And they get in, and we're introduced to uh, to a very hot Anne Francis uh, for her age back then. Oh, um, God. She and was she was, boy, oh, boy. I don't know how old she was, but boy, oh, boy. I bet she got the men. She was hotter racing. than donut grease. Uh, it's got Leslie Nielsen. Well, and Anne in it. Francis is... has that gorgeous little Barbie face too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She it's... looks. She looks like the fifties version of Barbie. She's just I... absolutely beautiful. I will tell you this: it's a great movie for sci-fi. I think it's a great movie for sci-fi because, as Rodrigo says, it's kind of set everything up for things to come. It really did. But it's a it's sci-fi. even included it's a... in science fiction double feature, the opening song to the Rocky Horror Picture. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Um, it is. Uh... And that means that it's stuck in the pop culture as well. Yep. It is a. Shakespeare adaptation. Mm-hmm. It's a thinking man's film wrapped up in a sci-fi Saturday morning popcorn flick, which is what you want in your sci-fi, really. Uh, to a yeah, to a more or less yeah. extent, sure. Yeah, Matthew, what was this? Uh, sci-fi needs to be about. What was this jibber jabber that you wanted to go on about? Jibber jabber. <laughs> Ain't no getting on no plane. <laughs> this is a complete and utter digression. Okay, so bear with me. I have recently, thanks to my friend Alex Grecian, who is a name dropper, the uh, writer of Proof for Image Comics. I I love his formula. Alex, yeah, Alex is a local at the the shop, and uh, he has been occasionally linking on his facey space, Mm Cracked.com. 
And I went to Cracked.com a few weeks ago, something that Alex had linked me, and it's like the six most horrifying places on the interwebs. And one of them is uh, a YouTube channel called Edarem, or Ed Aram. And I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, this guy looks familiar. Do you remember All Night Live with Uncle Ed Muscari? Yeah, I think we talked about him before, how he was like a child molester, turned out to be a child molester or something. Yeah, I did not realize that, because I don't listen to you, until I saw <laughs> that on the on the website on Crack.com. Apparently, his YouTube channel, Uncle Ed, is now like 81 years old, and his YouTube channel is just kind of this stream of consciousness weird stuff. And I looked at this, and he's got, you know, he's basically the same type of, he's the same person he was 30 years ago. Yeah. And it's, there's nothing inherently creepy about what he's doing, except if you look at it in context of, you know, whatever he may have done to become a sex offender. But it was one of those rare moments where I actually look back and, you know, I think, what the hell was my childhood about? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> because to me, Uncle Ed is this beloved character. Right. And now he's this 80 year old guy with Doc Brown hair talking about women way too young for him and how beautiful they were. And it just, <laughs> I want him to go home. Well, I mean, I can understand. For I mean, if you don't, if, if you don't know his backstory, uh, you know, what happened. I mean, just like uh, in the Wednesday show when Slappy called up to tell us about David, who ran Mr. Hooper, Hooper's store. I mean, that's kind of a weird yeah. kind of thing. And yet, after the incident where he attacked this woman and beat her with an iron bar, eh, you know, stay on your meds. We'll still let you be on Sesame Street. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of people will remember those fond things, just like we remember certain fond things about Star Wars or Star Trek or, you know, Forbidden Planet. And that's what will stick in our mind. So I don't, you know, not knowing what uh, Ed Aram's uh, channel is all about and what he talks about on here, um, he could just... Still do his shtick from from 1982, well, and, and I might be sitting there going, "Ah, that's a great stuff." You know what, though? Even uh, I mean, from certain things you can come back from. Look at um, oh, and I've forgotten his real name, and I feel bad about just calling him Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, but yeah. you know the you know he got arrested. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he got arrested for doing bad things in the theater. Now he's back to being Pee Wee Herman again, and yeah, it's like it never happened. Yeah, I mean, he is back to that role, and that means in a few years. Mel Gibson will be right back up there. And, you know, he'll he, be the apple of our I'm, eye. Well, he's done it before. He's had yeah. scandals before and then come back, makes a hit movie, and sure. I mean, look at Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is trying hard <laughs> to get back into the good graces of America, and the American people are like, eh. <laughs> You're kind of old. I like that Ryan Reynolds boy. Yep. He's so dreamy. When he goes crazy, it's going to be great. Because <laughs> then they won't be able to tell him apart from Dane Cook. Hey, um... Somebody gave us a shout-out to uh, one Dan Slott, the writer of the Amazing Spider-Man series going on right now from Marvel Comics. Dan Slott uh, was doing a rant in which he says, How the F can the Flintstones celebrate Christmas if they lived before Christ? (laughs) Seriously, it's called BC for a reason, Bedrock. And uh, one of our Twitter followers said, Hey, uh, Dan Slott, the guys over at Major Spoilers, theorize it's actually a post-apocalyptic future. Um, Matthew, if Dan Slot is indeed listening to this episode, and maybe we'll title this uh, episode Dan Slot, this one's for you. Um, give us your theory on the Flintstones post-apocalyptic future. Well, first, I should point out this this theory was primarily theorized by From Otter Card. Disaster, Bruce, oh, okay. uh, Bruce, Bruce Cleo Otter. 
Um, but Bruce and I actually honed this theory into something over the years. And basically it goes like this. Modern society exists. Right. So circa, you know, 1960. Right. right. Horrible nuclear exchange takes place at some point. It could Daniel be, you know, Fidel. an alternate reality, Cuban missile crisis, whatever happens. The world is destroyed. Humans raise out of the rubble eventually they start trying to rebuild technology but of course you know the world's been destroyed so they are using rocks and animals and things to rebuild what they remember communally of the previous society that's why there's no sense for fred to push that heavy car with his feet but people as a whole have a memory of driving in cars it's the reason why the garbage disposal exists. It's the reason why they celebrate Christmas. It's the reason why he still goes bowling. All the of dinosaurs, these things, Matthew, dinosaurs, mutants. Those aren't dinosaurs. <laughs> mutants. What are they? Those are the mutated remains of birds and cats and airplanes. And Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Eye of the hurricane. <laughs> listen to yourself. Churn. World serves its own needs. Dummy serve your own needs. Speed it up a notch. Speed it up. What? However, that sentence started Leonard well, okay let's look at it this way so evolutionarily just, speaking let me just the say last remainder of dinosaurs on earth are now birds right right so it goes okay. backwards so in a we, so we mutate we mutate we mutate maybe those birds turn back into more sorid forms if you will soron soronic i think is how we will describe them sorid sorry so, so the, i don't see what sorid has to do with okay those. yeah that's a made-up word uh, but in any case, uh, yes, this made-up theory about a cartoon taking place in the future obviously needs to have important real words. Um, we're going to call it <laughs> truthiness. Listen, Dan Slott, I'll tell but, you what, if you think this is a crazy idea, wait till you hear Matthew's thoughts on cars. <laughs> cars is disturbing. Cars <laughs> takes place in a universe where not only did the bomb go off, but the bomb caused the essences of human beings to be atomized and then dispersed throughout their vehicles. Because when you're driving a car, and Scott McCloud makes this clear in, in Understanding Comics, your car is an icon of yourself. It's an avatar. When you crash, if I crash into Rodrigo's Yaris, is he going to say, hey, his car hit my car? No. He's going to say, his car hit me. Or more so in likely this world, that jerkwad. Yeah. That, that jerkwad jerk hit, hit me. That jerkwad hit me. Okay, so in this world, our essences are dispersed. We're all dead. But somehow, the atomic radiation and the, the remainder of humanity infuses each car with the spirit of its previous driver. And that is why the cars rebuilt society in human images. Now, how they did this without opposable thumbs? I'm going to say telekinesis. Because if you notice, there's a lot of things in that story, much like the Veggie Tales, that can only be explained by massive amounts of telekinesis. Mm -hmm. So the cars are actually the spirits of long dead humanity inhabiting the rotting machines that became their avatars. Oh. And that's that's and why cars weird, is disturbing as well. And is, what's weird is if you watch all the Pixar movies, by the time you get to cars, you will say, you know what? You're absolutely right, Matthew. <laughs> Just watch that uh, watch that shell logo or whatever it's called in that world. Watch how it evolves from the first Toy Story all the way to Cars, and it you'll it'll you'll yep. make that connection. Back to something comical. And what's really sad yes. is that the toys were melted down and destroyed, 
by the nuclear apocalypse, which is truly sad. Back to comic books. Who's the cheesiest comic book character you can think of? Oh, you don't want to get into this game with me. Go ahead. You don't want to do this with me. You guys go first, because I'm going to be that guy who's like, nuclear fucking weapons right in the middle of the discussion. Because I'm terrible about this. It's not Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew? He's not really cheesy. Captain Carrot Uh, is an awesome, awesome story. What about Rocky Raccoon, or whatever his name is? No, Rocky Raccoon Raccoon is a cowboy. (laughs) Or he wants to be. shut your lying mouth about the rocket. But everyone knew him as Nancy. Wait, no. I got that wrong. <laughs> Rodrigo, do you have a cheesiest uh, comic book character? Um, I'm not entirely sure what they mean. I mean, really, at their their biggest Silver Age apogee, and you can you know you can look at right. you know, our discussion of All Star Superman. You know, Superman was pretty cheesy. Batman's yeah. been very cheesy. Yeah. You know, Shazam is actually nicknamed the Big Red Cheese. Or Captain Marvel. So, you know, those guys. I, I always really hated Slapstick um, yeah. back when he was trying to horn in on, on Spider-Man's joking superhero thing. Mm-hmm. I You know, I don't know if he was actually cheesy, but he did incite me to rage when when his uh when I started to come across his comics. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a real toss-up. I don't know if it's going to be Baby Huey, Richie Rich, uh, Hot Hot Stuff. Or Casper. Oh, no, 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 don't. Uh, no, that's, that's not what, fair. That's what I think. The, Har- the Harvey Comics books are intentionally designed for young children. It's not fair to categorize them and say that they're cheesy characters because they were designed for young, young children. Right, right, right. I mean, here's the problem that I have with this discussion. First of all, it's a great conversation starter, but. Comic books are inherently, by definition, cheesy. And if you say to me, you know, let's talk uh, about Wolverine. Uh-huh. Let's talk about Wolverine for just a second. Wolverine is a guy in yellow spandex who was originally from Canada and was designed to be an irradiated Wolverine who came to life. Now, eventually, through retconning and gene splicing and all sorts of bullshittery, I am really cursing up this storm. This show, I'm so sorry. I know, man. Um, I'll tag. He's, he's turned into this. He'll tag on there. I'm going to wait till some parents driving down the highway at 75 miles per hour, and Matthew says "fucker shit" or something. <laughs> and he tries to explain <laughs> it to his three-year-old. <laughs> shit, fuck. <laughs> Fucking talk ass. Anyway, all right. All um, right. Moving along. <laughs> The, the nature of comic books is such that no matter how much you look at me and you argue that Wolverine is a badass, when you, when you break it down, he's a guy with three Freudian sticks on either hand. So it's not fair to say that hot stuff is lame because hot stuff was aimed at little baby kids. There was a time when two, three, and four-year-olds cut their teeth and learned to read on comic books, and that's okay. For me, a character, when you say, what's a cheesy character, I'm thinking about a character who is a bad plan. And I like to go back to the Golden Age. Do you remember Madame Fatal? I think we called her Madame Fatal. Madame Fatal was a man whose superhero identity was to dress up as an old woman in a red dress Mm -hmm. to uh, frighten... uh, Because villains are a superstitious and cowardly lot, and they inherently fear Grandma. Mrs. Dapfire Powers. Um, there's also, and this is the greatest superhero and name of all time, 
Chauncey Throttlebottom the Third. Right. The Vagabond. Chauncey Throttlebottom the Third. Uh, dressed up as a bum, a hobo. But not just any hobo, super hobo. <laughs> he was the vagabond. Did he have hobo stuff? And he, no, he literally put on a, a hobo suit and a, a crushed hat and carried a stick and, you know, just beat the crap out of villains for no reason at all. Ah, I why is this old man beating me up? I will say, yo, yoology. See what can of worms you've opened up by asking that, that question over at our Twitter feed. I, I, oh, I much yo-yology? prefer this. I, I much oh, prefer what uh, son of- I, I much prefer what Hector Busnuts oh. asks. He says, "Which would serve major spoilers better, donation wise, ten dollars a month or twelve months for twelve months, or a lump sum of one hundred and twenty dollars?" Well, if every one of our listeners and every one of the visitors to our website gave a recurring donation of one hundred and twenty dollars, yes, that would allow us to do major spoilers full time, mm-hmm. and then some. We could hire some other people too. So yes, one hundred and twenty dollars from everybody. Make it yeah, happen. But, but he's asking which one would you prefer? Um, you know, to be honest, I would prefer, and, it, and it's something that I can't talk about, but I think if there was a recurring, yeah, you know, and people set that up as recurring, either way would actually be fine if yeah. they did a recurring. But it, the problem with recurring payments, and especially with a recurring donation, well, there's actually some benefits too. And I'll tell you, everybody who's trying to make a buck on the website, listen up. Most people will forget if they do a recurring donation. Yep. So... Yep. There's that. Um, no 121 time, don't have to mess with it. At the same time, you could offer a premium service of the major spoilers after show experience or the mm-hmm. live experience or whatever you do. And you say, hey, this will be a recurring $10 a month service. You'll get these extra special things you can cancel at any time. And instead of $120, you may only get $90. After right. nine months, someone might say, oh, come on. As awesome as Matthew is, I, I just can't. I don't know about this throttle bottom. <laughs> I don't Shut like up, Crypto. Freaky. You can dress like a hobo <laughs> if you want throttle. to. <laughs> I don't think that hobos are a good idea, Streaky. Yes, 100% of our time devoted to major spoilers would definitely I, be a good thing, but we can only do that can I with, take a uh, moment? funding. Go ahead, Matthew. Take a moment. Can I take a moment here and say to our beloved listeners, this is not I about you, but God damn you, Yoyology. Who do you think? You know who Yoyology is? No, I don't. Yoyology is my college roommate. Is it? And for years now, he has been torturing me about comics because he reads normal stuff like, I don't know, uh, Jen Michael Vincent. Who's that guy oh, who is. wrote Stranger in a Strange Land? Ah, it is Carl. Hi, Carl. Yeah, there you go. He's, he's the devil. Carl. Carl is the devil. Uh, Hi, Carl. What are Good your favorite non Can I tell you comics? a story? No, what are your non oh, what are your favorite <laughs> non superhero comics? Ooh. I like Lock and Key. I like Bone. I like um I like Z- uh, Zorro. Mm-hmm. And uh Lone Ranger. I think Owly's cute. <laughs> uh I like, I'd like Sinfest. to have a turn. Go ahead. I don't think I've heard of that. Oh one. no, no! I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to just jump in on because I don't get a turn. What What is okay. your favorite non superhero? I comic? like Wit's End. Uh-huh. I uh huh. I like uh, Tales of like, the Zombie. Uh, what is it? Absolutely True Tales or swear, swear to God? Absolutely True. I forget what the name of that series is. I like Saltwater Tap. True, true Story. Swear, swear to God. Swear to God. That's it. Yeah. Um. 
Saltwater Taffy is excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I, good children's books. I like uh, Cerebus. I like the uh, Darwin Cook's uh, two Parker books that have come out. Mm-hmm. I like uh, Green, uh, Green Hornet's uh, House of Mystery. Um, I don't yeah, like Coney Waves. <laughs> I like um, Scott Pilgrim. I like American Vampire. That one, that one's not bad. I, ha- I still have. I'm still like, mm, I don't know that I like what you're doing with vampires here, but um, it's it's actually pretty good. I was stuck in a house over Thanksgiving with a seven year old, a five year old, a three year old, and a one year old. If I hadn't mentioned it before, mm-hmm. but um, I think you did. This is as Adriana asks uh, if any of us caught the new Young Justice series on the Cartoon Network. This I think it came out on the 26th Friday, day after Thanksgiving. Ooh, did you I see it? it? I don't watch TV. For whatever reason, I could have swore that we did that and that Fire Breather uh, movie mm-hmm. that TiVo was supposed to record it, but TiVo did not record it, and TiVo. it is on my... Instead, it recorded something that was not appropriate. <laughs> Oprah. I want a superhero show. Please welcome... <laughs> Super Oprah. Yep. Uh, no, so I guess... Yeah, I know. The first thing that came to my mind was Liz Lemon, and I'm like, ah, she actually hasn't been on the show. Um, so, Crap. no, I guess none of us caught the Young Justice cartoon series. It did look kind of interesting from the trailer that I've seen. It did. Um, maybe we'll see it again soon. To no. the iTunes. Uh, any desire to review the to old Eastman Laird TMNT graphic novel? Well, funny you should mention that. Yeah. Maybe. I read them when they originally came out, and they were oversized books. I read them to me, maybe Stephen. Bean five twenty five, who won our what was it? Was it the Twitter contest? Mm-hmm. Oh no, he Twitter won the uh, Twitter pitch contest, the Legion of Superheroes Twitter pitch contest. He says that the DC Universe Online is amazing. If you can have us, if you have a system that can run it, you will like it. Well, I cannot wait until was it next Tuesday the seventh. Cataclysm oh. on the worlds of Warcraft, the Cataclysm unleashed. But you know they've already updated the most cataclysm. content, so if you go in, the worlds have all changed. Mm-hmm. So I cannot wait until until uh, I've seen the cinematic open. Looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait till the seventh. Giant Batwing monster. Giant Batwing dragon. <laughs> Dargons are attacking. <sighs> okay. I think we've jibber-jabbered on enough. Hopefully Dan Dan Slott's made it this far into the show. Oh, I know. Oh, no, no, no. Speaking of, uh, not Dan Slott, but speaking of people who have uh, written in and said some things, last week we had a special episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold, and Matthew and I kind of broke it down with Rodrigo going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, didn't see it. We might continue to do that um, for the foreseeable future, because apparently Matthew and I both have children that love the show. But uh, we had made some Stop. comments about Bad art time. style and all these other things. And uh, our good uh, friend of the show, Tom Perkins, <coughs> contacted someone by the name of Bill Dunn, and he made a comment over at the site. And I thought I'd read it. He says, I'm glad you like <coughs> the Knights of Tomorrow episode. Like most Batman the Brave and the Bold episode, a lot of thought, care, and, and sweat went into making it. Um, in reference to the possible Batman Beyond nod, if you notice earlier in the episode, Gotham's colors were what we usually paint them. As the episode goes on, however, the green windows light light of the building are gradually replaced by the blue window light from Batman Beyond. By the time we see Rob and Don in front of the bank, the backgrounds were supposed to be painted like Batman Beyond, 
but overseas didn't use the keys that were sent for those scenes for some reason. By the time we got the footage back, it was too late and too costly to change it. Oh, well, maybe next time. By the way, there will be a third season of... Uh, Batman Brave and the Bowl, the 13-episode run bringing the final episode count to 65, which isn't bad. And this is from Bill Dunn, who is the background paint supervisor for Batman the Brave and the Bold. So, Bill, thank you for uh, posting that Yay! over at Major Spoilers and sharing with everybody. Nice. You know, I, I saw... Thank you for I making saw, my daughter love Uncle Sam. <laughs> yes, my, my son is still... So, obviously, his two cousins who are older <clears> than him for whatever reason, have never seen Batman the Brave and the Bold. And then I can see there's many reasons why you wouldn't want a seven-year-old or a five-year-old to watch Batman the Brave and the Bold. Right. But Mason had his iPad Most out. of them kicking-related. Uh, I'll tell you off-show. Um, but they're crowded around the iPad, and he goes, this one has Uncle Sam, and he rolls up his sleeves, and he punches people, and this guy stretches, and he punches people, and those are the bad guys, and you've got to sing this song. And it's like this three-year-old explaining to two older kids mm -hmm. why this episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold is so awesome with the Uncle Sam. And then he got off on, I forget if it was Emperor Joker or the Crisscross Conspiracy, whichever one of those two, and he's talking about how this person's the bad guy and this person's the good guy. Like, moments that they appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, first appearance. Oh, that guy's bad, and that girl is good, and then she turns bad, and then and it's like, wow, that kid is really taken into mm -hmm. into that series, and that's the only reason why I know there's a couple of people who listen to the show and have been up to the site who really poo poo the idea of Batman the Brave and the Bold. And to be honest, when it first came out, I was like, what in the yeah, f? Definitely. I mean, what a piece of turd this is going to be. Right. And then when you sit and watch it, there's certainly stuff for the younger set who it's really aimed at, but there's a lot of good stuff that that us old crap heads yeah can get a kick out of well and it's it's well it's well put together uh, to me it's pretty clear that they have a, a goal in mind for each episode and just the amount of work that probably went into the music meister episode is, is i still haven't seen that one really that's that's actually the only full episode of batman brave and the bull that i've seen i've seen a lot of the intro mm -hmm. uh bits mm-hmm but the music meister was on, and my nephews were watching it, and I thought it was amazing. I've got to watch. It. I've got it here on the uh, on the iTunes. Oh, it's incredible! Uh, so I'm going to have to watch it. And he's watched it several times. I know he has, but he usually watches it either as he's going to bed, like he'll sit down and start watching it as Rodrigo and I come downstairs to record mm -hmm. the podcast. I'm like, "Cursed you, boy!" Yep. Than any other time I ask. Why him do you if he watch? Wants to watch and he's like, "No." He, he no wants father. to watch Naughty. No, Father, I would rather watch Naughty when you are around yeah. instead of Batman the Brave and the Bold, one of the finest television programs on the, the television today. Harry Potter. <laughs> so your son is Stewie Griffin? <laughs> yes, 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 he is. Hello, Father. Father, you're going to go down and record your podcast? Mm, maybe, just a little <laughs> bit. Mm, maybe you're going to go down and do the that, little talky-talky with that Matthew Matthew? You're going mm. to keep your guests on the control? <laughs> you're going you're to stick to the topics? <laughs> or are you going to go off a little bit? Mm, maybe that's what you're going to do. You're going to go do a little talky-talky? You're going to put it up on the show? going to get some people to buy a critical hit t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes critical hit t-shirts december 15th is the cutoff date major spoilers.com slash store we will see you next time bye stop wasting time if you have any questions comments topic ideas for future shows or would like to sponsor a show send an email to podcast at major spoilers.com visit major spoilers at major spoilers.com and be sure to check out the major spoilers forum you can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010